I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. When you know somebody all your life, or at least since fifth grade, and uh, you grow old together, as we are now, uh, weirdly, I have an expectation of our time together as we've grown from boyhood through high school and college, and you sort of want to keep it that way. But uh, some people, as they get older, uh, get a little more get a little more intimate. Uh, like my friend Corey, he invited me over on Friday since I have Friday off to go swim in his pool. But his pool isn't a normal pool. His pool is a tiny little man-made pond. It's constructed for you to be able to dive into it. But it's real small. It looks small, relatively, compared to a normal pool. Uh, the deep end is just kind of in the middle. And there's a waterfall for you to jump off of and dive into and stuff, even though it seems terrifying because there's big boulders everywhere. Uh, there's reeds all around the side. And there's little fish. And it's constructed so that it can uh, clean itself without ever getting any, like, algae or anything. You don't need to use chemicals. That all seems decadent. Uh, I never liked being in it because it's weird. Walking out there hurts with the rocks and then you get in the middle where you sort of wade around. And hey, Your only option if somebody else is in the pool is to wade uh, inches away from them because the middle section isn't that big. And he wants me to come this Friday because it's burning hot out uh, and humid like crazy. And he wants me to go wade out there in the pool with him and chat inches away from each other's face. Uh, I miss the old days where he would stand a good ten feet away from me at all times and never show his feelings. But that's what I'm doing uh, this Friday. Uh, other big thing in my life, fire prevention. Uh, moving into this house, I realized I don't, have a, I don't have a fire extinguisher. What if something happened? So I went and bought a fire extinguisher for like a hundred bucks. And now that's just sitting up there and that's never, hopefully never going to get used. But I have the security of knowing that if a fire ever breaks out or if I'm not home and my kids are, and there's a way to put it out. If nothing else, is save the cats. But I also bought a smoke and carbon monoxide detector to put in my basement. And they're the fancy nest ones, so you can check it from your phone. Ah, is there carbon monoxide in my basement? Well, let's just check my phone. Not clean as a bell down there. Uh, so I've spent a lot of money on a concept of fire breaking out. Uh, I spent a lot of money on fear. Because just for a couple weeks, I realized, if anything happened, I had no way to put it out. Uh, I had to get a pan full of water and start throwing it at a thing. And so here I am. Now I have smart fire detectors and carbon dioxide everywhere in the house and a big old fire extinguisher that I have by the back door. Ah, the 4th of July. Paranoia and intimate friendships. Well, with that, let's uh, continue on with where we left off on the adventures of Tom Sawyer. 
And then I'm going to go sit outside and read uh, Twilight. Ugh. Well, since we're not going to learn about the author anymore, did that in the first episode, we're going to continue on with our incredibly fun Mark Twain facts. Uh, from a website called whatthefact.com, where all the facts are small sentences that are horribly written. So this week's uh, fact about Mark Twain, uh, his ailments. He suffered from depressions, with an S, and also from constipation. Nothing can be done about the depression, as it uh, was more psychological thing. Uh, but his first encounter with Tesla cured his constipation. Hmm. The two men became friends for life after that. Doesn't explain a thing. I mean, I could go look into it. What the hell did Tesla do? Uh, stick his finger in there? But, uh... I don't know. The mystery is Tesla and all his magic ways was able to cure a man's constipation and not share that cure with anybody else in the world. So the rest of us have continued to suffer uh, thanks to his selfishness and best friendsness with Mark Twain. So where do we leave off in uh, chapter three? Our hero wanted a Bible real, real bad. So he finagled his way into getting these little tickets that if you get enough tickets, you get to get a free Bible because it proves that you've learned all the Bible verses and you've earned your right to a, a free Bible. So he finagles it and finally has enough tickets and the day he wants to cash his Bible in is the day that a famous lawyer uh, has been invited to the church to sit on stage and uh, so he gets brought up before the lawyer and uh, of course he's tested a little bit. Uh, on his Bible knowledge, and it's made obvious that he lied and cheated his way uh, towards God's word. So with that, let's start the next chapter. Chapter 5. About uh, half past ten, the cracked bell of the small church began to ring, and presently the people began to gather for the morning sermon. The Sunday school children distributed themselves about the house and occupied pews with their parents so as to be under supervision. Aunt Polly came, and Tom and Sid and Mary sat with her, Tom being placed next to the aisle in order that he might be as far away from the open window and the seductive outside summer scenes as possible. Mm -hmm. The crowd filled up the aisles. The aged and needy postmaster, who had been uh, seen better days, uh, the mayor and his wife, for they had a mayor there among the other unnecessaries, the justice of the peace, at the window, Douglas, fair, smart, and forty, a genuine, generous, good-hearted soul, and well-to-do, her hill mansion, the only palace in town, and the most hospitable, and much of the most lavish in the matter of festivities that St. Petersburg could boast, the bent and venerable Major and Miss Ward, Lawyer Riverson, the new notable from a distance, uh, next the bell of the village, followed by a troop of lawn-clad and ribbon-decked young heartbreakers. Ah, ha, ha. Then all the young clerks in town in a body, 
for they had stood in the vestibule, sucking their cane heads, a circling wall of oiled and simpering admirers, till the last girl had run their gauntlet. And last of all came the model boy, Willie Mufferson, <laughs> taking as heedful care of his mother as if she were cut glass. He always brought his mother to church and was the pride of all the matrons. The boys all hated him. Oh, he was so good. And besides, uh, he had been thrown up to them so much. His white handkerchief was hanging out of his pocket behind, as usual on Sundays, uh, accidentally. Tom eh, had no handkerchief, and he looked upon boys who had as snobs. The congregation, being fully assembled, now the bell rang once more to warn laggards and uh, stragglers, and then a small, uh, solemn hush fell upon the church, which was only broken by the tittering uh, and whispering of the choir in the gallery. The choir uh, always tittered and whispered uh, all through the service. There was once a church choir that was not ill-bred, but I have forgotten where it was now. It was a great many years ago, and I can scarcely remember anything about it, but I think it was in some foreign country. The minister... Uh, gave out the hymn and read it through uh, with a relish. In a particular style, which was much admired in this part of the country, his voice began uh, on a medium key. Oh, it climbed steadily up till it reached a certain point, where it bore with strong emphasis upon the topmost word and then plunged down as if from a springboard. Shall I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? Whilst others uh, fight to win the prize and sail through bloody seas. <clears throat> he was regarded, oh, as a wonderful reader. At church sociables, in quotes, he was always called upon to read poetry. And when he was through, the ladies would lift up their hands and let him fall helplessly in their laps and, and, and quote, wall their eyes and shake their heads. As much as to say... Words cannot express it. It is too beautiful, too beautiful for this mortal earth. After the hymn been sung, the Reverend, uh, Mr. Sprague, turned himself into a bulletin board and read off notices of meetings and societies and things till it seemed like the list would stretch out uh, to the crack of doom. A queer custom, which is still kept up in America, even in cities, Away here in this age of abundant newspapers, often the less there is to justify a traditional custom, the harder it is to get rid of it. And now the minister prayed. A good, generous prayer it was. And went into details and pleaded for the church, uh, and for the little children of the church, and for other churches of the village, uh, for the, the village itself, uh, for the uh, country, uh, for the state. Uh, for the state officers, uh, for the United States, uh, for the churches of the United States, and for the Congress, for the president, uh, for the officers of the government, uh, poor sailors uh, tossed by stormy seas, for the uh, oppressed millions uh, groaning under the heel of European monarchies and, and oriental despotisms, uh, for such as have the light and the good tidings and yet have not eyes to see nor ears to hear withal, for the heathen in the far islands of the sea, and closed with a supplication uh, that the words he was about to speak might find grace and favor, as be a seed sown in fertile ground, yielding in time a grateful harvest of good. Amen. 
Uh, there was a rustling of dresses, and the standing congregation said to the boy, uh, whose history this book relates, uh, did not enjoy the prayer. Uh, yeah, he only endured it. If he even did that much, yeah, he was restive all through it. He kept a tally of the details of the prayer uh, unconsciously, for he was not listening, but he knew the ground of old and the clergyman's regular route over it. And when a little trifle of new matter was interlarded, his ear detected it and his whole nature uh, resented it. He considered additions uh, unfair and scoundrelly. In the midst of the prayer, a fly had lit on the back of the pew in front of him and tortured his spirit by calmly rubbing its hands together, embracing its head with his little arms and polishing it, oh, so vigorously that it seemed to almost part company with the body, and the slender thread of neck was exposed to view, scraping its wings with its hind legs and smoothing them to its body as if they had been coat tails, going through its whole toilet as tranquilly as if it knew it was perfectly safe. Oh, and indeed it was, for as sorely as Tom's hands itched yeah, to grab for it, they did not dare. He believed his soul would be instantly destroyed if he did such a thing while the prayer was going on, but with the closing sentence, his hand began to curve and steal forward. In the instant the amen was out, the fly was a prisoner of war. His aunt detected the act and made him let it go. The minister gave out the text and droned him along monotonously uh, uh, through a, an argument that was so prosy that many a head by and by began to nod, and yet it was an argument that dealt in limitless fire and brimstone and thinned the predestined elect down to a company so small as to be hardly worth saving. Tom counted the pages of the sermon. After church, he always knew how many pages there had been, but he seldom knew anything else about the discourse. Uh, discourse. However, this time he was really interested. For a little while, the minister made a grand and moving picture of the assembling together of the word world's hosts at the millennium, uh, where the lion and the lamb should lie down together and the little child should lead them. But the pathos, oh, the lesson... The moral of the great spectacle were lost upon the boy. He only thought of the conspicuousness of the principal character before the onlooking nations. His face lit with thought, and he said to himself that he wished he could be that child, if it was a tame lion. Now uh, he lapsed uh, into suffering again as the dry argument had resumed. Presently he bethought him a treasure he had uh, got out it, got it out. It was a large black beetle with formidable jaws. A pinch bug, yeah, he called it. It was, isn't it? Ooh, it's like a dung beetle, isn't it? It was a, a percussion cap box. The first thing the beetle did, it was taken by the finger. A natural Philip followed. The beetle went floundering into the aisle and lit on its back. The hurt finger went into the boy's mouth. The beetle lay there, working its helpless legs, unable to turn over. Tom eyed it. Oh, and he longed for it but it was safe out of his reach. Other people, uninterested in the sermon, found relief in the beetle, and they eyed it, too. Uh, presently, a vagrant poodle dog came idling along, uh, sad at heart, lazy with the summer softness and the quiet, weary of captivity, sighing for change. He spied the beetle, uh, the drooping tail lifted and wagged. He surveyed the prize, uh, walked around it, smelt at it from a safe distance and walked around it again, grew bolder and took a closer smell, then lifted his lip and uh, made a gingerly snatch at it 
just missing it. I made another and another and began to enjoy the diversion, subsiding to his stomach as a beetle between his paws. And continued his experiments, he grew weary at last, and then, indifferent and absent-minded, his head nodded, and little by little his chin descended and touched the enemy, who seized it. Oh, there was a sharp yelp. Ah, flirt of the poodle's head. And the beetle fell a couple yards away and lit on its back once more. The neighboring spectators shook with a gentle inward joy. Several faces went behind fans and handkerchiefs. Ah, and Tom was entirely happy. The dog looked foolish and probably felt so. But there was resentment in his heart, too, and a craving for revenge. So we went to the beetle and, uh, and began a wary attack on it. Again! "'jumping at it from every point of a circle, "'lighting with his forepaws within an inch of the creature, "'making even closer snatches at it with his teeth, uh, "'and jerking his head uh, until his ears flapped again. "'But he grew tired once more after, after a while, "'tried to amuse himself uh, with a fly but found no relief, "'followed by an ant around uh, with his nose close to the floor "'and uh, quickly wearied of that, yawned, uh, sighed, uh, "'forgot the beetle entirely, and sat down on it. Then there was a wild yelp of agony, and the poodle went sailing up the aisle. Uh, the yelps continued, and so did the dog, uh, crossed the house in front of the altar, and flew down the other aisle. He crossed before the doors, and he clambered up uh, the home stretch. His anguish grew with his progress, till presently he was but a woolly comet moving in its orbit with a gleam and the speed of light. At last, the frantic sufferer sheared from its course and sprang into its master's lap and flung it out the window, and the voice of distress quickly thinned away and died in the distance. By this time, the whole church was red-faced and suffocating with the suppressed laughter, and the sermon had come to a dead standstill. The discourse was resumed presently, but it went lame and halting, all possibility of impressiveness being at an end, for even the gravest sentiments were constantly being received with a smothered burst of unholy mirth, under cover of some remote pew-back, as if uh, the poor parson had said a rarely facetious thing. It was a genuine relief uh, to the whole congregation when the ordeal was over and the benediction pronounced. Tom Sawyer went home quite cheerful thinking to himself uh, that there was some satisfaction about divine service uh, when there was a bit of variety in it. He had but one marring thought. He was willing uh, that the dog should play with the pinch bug, but he did not think it was upright in him to carry it off. Oh man, these chapters just get shorter and punchier. Pretty soon it's just going to be like one page long, but I love it. I love a good short chapter. Uh, so what did we learn here today? Uh, one jerk kid can completely ruin everything uh, that another man aspires to by being bored. So we learn here, don't ever let anyone you know be bored because they could ruin you. Thanks for listening, and uh, I will see you next week. <laughs>